0: Hey everyone, uh, I know this isn't the usual start that we have for our podcasts, but um, I felt that um, we couldn't really start with a very silly intro um, and um, not talk about what has been going on the past several days. Now I know and realise that a lot of people uh, have entertainment to provide them as a way of escaping from the troubles of of the entire world and as a way to kind of just shut your mind off for a few moments and have a laugh at free english guys and their stupid opinions on professional wrestling but i feel and i'm pretty darn sure that these guys can agree with me that the past several days can't go ignored um especially been what's been said and what's been happening over there in the us and as well here in england is shone a light on something I think a lot of people kind of refuse to believe was still happening. Um, And I believe that it has to be front and centre now because it always has been a problem. And unless real systemic change happens throughout, nothing will happen. Um, I've always been a, a person who has believed in equal rights for absolutely everyone. And I can understand... Uh, to a point why people say all lives matter but i feel with to truly get to that point we have to realize and understand that black lives do matter as well and everyone regardless of who you are race creed gender we are all equal we're all humans uh now i could preamble and go on forever but i that would not do justice um and i could never put it into words uh, or you know understand uh, but i can sure as heck stand and um i'm gonna hand it over to the person who certainly understands a heck of a lot more than me
1: ridden the floor is yours sir all right let's get this done uh, this is just i've been thinking about what i wanted to say for ages this isn't close to all i want to say But it's a start, so let's just get to it. As of the time of this recording, the United States of America is embroiled in a level of protest that is unprecedented in my lifetime. What is not unprecedented is the reason, the murder, and I use that word completely and without hyperbole, of George Floyd by the Minneapolis police, an act that was both repulsive and unbelievably common. I was not shocked or surprised by the news, thinking back to Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Antiana Jefferson and countless others, nor am I shocked or surprised by the excessive police brutality being used on the protests, the result being lifelong injuries and even more death. To any supporters who have happened to stumble upon our humble podcast, I offer you my full fledged support. Keep fighting. To anyone who is listening to this, who somehow believes that the police response then and now is justifiable, I ask you to take your business elsewhere. Black lives matter, trans rights are human rights, and happy goddamn pride. Right, let's talk about some wrestling cheese.
0: It is time to tune up the band, and hang on, wait a second, that isn't the time. Oh, huh. yeah. funny enough, it's clobbering time. Yes, it's. A... <laughs> you love it. Um, yes, it's I... another episode. <laughs> another episode of the sweet chidwag. I'm Sam, joined as ever begrudgingly now by
1: Ridden and Dan. Very begrudgingly, I want that on record. <laughs>
2: I thought we were having technical difficulties. I was getting ready to yeah. mute my mic. Yeah, we were,
1: I was ready to like. Oh, looks like I'm coming. I need to like <laughs> see if he's still alive. But no, no, he's it's just, just he's just an idiot. I see. Uh,
0: yeah, look, like several episodes in, and like how long we've known each other, guys. Surely you should have
1: realised that by now.
2: Should have. And that's the- why
1: part of the reason I'm annoyed. <laughs> Yeah. The, the worst part is that I don't actually Fun factum, fun fact um, good listener. I actually haven't known Sam that long on a grad scheme of themes, and I'm already um frustrated by his <laughs> How about that?
0: Uh uh it's a story of my life. Anyhow, yes, welcome to this week's episode where we are going to be talking about the summer of punk twenty eleven. This one is going to be a very, very stressful episode for two people involved.
1: But before I gotta we... Watch.
0: Back... I'm just going to watch. This is going to be great. Just <laughs> smile and wave, Reardon. Smile and wave. But before mm-hmm. we get to that stress-inducing goodness, let us hand it over to Dan for this week's Wrestling
2: News. Dun, 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 <laughs> wrestling News. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I feel so bad starting this again with another condolence, but it seems to be... yeah. Um, a thing that's happening a lot and um unfortunately this is one um i don't necessarily know as much about um in terms of the passing of danny havoc uh with uh, czw um and seeing a lot of the reaction from the wider um iwc um in relation to this and clearly he was very well regarded and, um i saw the uh, the the tweets and stuff put out by uh john moxley dean ambrose when he was on the wwe um about working with him and how he helped i believe he helped design his first pieces of merch for the company uh and i think that just speaks a great testament to the kind of man he was i know for uh us in the podcast sam has the most experience with czw so i will briefly pass over to him um, to <laughs> talk about it
0: yeah this one just like the past couple of ones have it just was absolutely shocking and came out of nowhere um to those of the uninitiated uh danny havoc was probably one of the stalwart names of czw and uh deathmatch wrestling um say what you will about deathmatch wrestling um it has its place in wrestling and i think you know the people that are taking part in it uh do know what they're doing and they're absolutely amazing workers and danny havoc was one of the top guys he was I remember him being such like a, a lanky kid when he started and getting the absolute piddle beaten out of him in every match he was in. But uh, I know a lot of people say that deathmatch wrestlers aren't wrestlers. They're just stunt guys that can't do a headlock. But I would beg to differ to every single deathmatch wrestler. And Havoc was no different. I mean, when you're trained by Chris Hero and Mike Quackenbush, two of the the greatest wrestlers america's produced in the past two decades that says something you have a pedig- pedigree behind you for absolutely uh for sure um what's that left to say like two time tournament death winner so many cage of death matches an amazing rivalry with sammy callahan he his name will always be up there as one of the greats of Deathmatch Wrestling, alongside Mick Foley, Terry Funk, Nick Gage, Zan Dig, Joey Janela, Ricky Shane Page. His name deserves to be up there as well, and he will be sorely missed for for certain for us, for the hardcore fans, and for the guys who absolutely love CZW and Deathmatch Wrestling. It's a big loss for sure.
2: Our next thing on the news agenda is the banning of the Buckle Bomb by WWE and Productions. And uh, we believe this to come after uh, increased fan heat on Nia Jax. Um, obviously, their reaction has been very mixed to this announcement. Um, and if myself, and as we all in the podcast said while discussing this before this current episode, that we don't necessarily like the concept of moves being banned. Um it echoes the uh lines put out by Shane helms which is that uh don't ban moves, ban unsafe workers.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um and I think that's kind of the the conflict that would happen with it. Um, you know, he said a lot about how uh when he was when he was the hurricane uh, he used the vertebrae, breaker, which is known as a very kind of difficult move mm. um, and quite an unsafe one.
1: And yet, yeah, he did it lots and lots of times and caused basically no injuries. Um, yeah, I I feel like, um, and I think you guys will agree, is that the the open and dirty secret of wrestling moves is that none of these moves are a hundred percent safe at all. Yeah, people have, people have been paralyzed by a standard power bomb. Mm. You know, it it's yeah, it's one of those. Well,
2: because I think I think it's that WWE still have pile drivers banned after that one incident, don't they? Yes, I believe so.
1: Yes, I believe it. It's still um. And it was um... like
2: one incident of a of a just a a botched pile driver that like kind. Of, I I don't know the specifics of it, but I remember this being the relation for it.
0: Yeah, it was the if I remember correctly, it was the uh, Owen Hart versus Steve Austin match where um. Yeah. Owen Hart did a sit down uh tombstone. And paralyzed, uh, Steve for for about I think it was about a couple of minutes before he could get the roll up. Um, but it kind of compressed his neck, and yeah. his head and his neck and his spine kind of, kind of collapsed in of itself. So yeah,
1: so I you know like I I I get it. everything is safety no no cool move is worth a restless life, mm. but mixed feelings mixed feelings
0: yeah. Uh, for certain and I have that I have the same you know in regards to to nijax I know people can you know rain down a lot of um, vitriol on her um but I feel maybe it is a case of her coming back way too soon um uh, especially kind of like it's been it's been evident that she is suffering from a lot of ring rust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this can only kind of confirm <laughs> the suspicions that everyone has that she's probably got a lot of ring rust and probably needed to train a bit before coming back onto um, television.
2: well Yeah. Thing. So um, obviously, fan heat on her has been vastly on the rise. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people try and um, I guess I would say I wouldn't necessarily say spin it, but they've tried to turn. You know, maybe think that. In, in, a, in a very weird and I think quite twisted way that this is some kind of extended form of heel gimmicking, although I would really try and push against that because I don't doesn't associate it with my conception of how maybe wrestling works, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> um, but there's been supposedly after reports from, well, the initial reports from um, Dave, Dave Meltzer, with that, there was no heat at all um, around her. There was a she did the botch spot with um, Kyrie Sane. Apparently, Kyrie Sane oversold it and did it too well. <laughs> um, but since then, uh, reports are coming from Brian Alvarez saying that an uh, anonymous member of WE staff—they termed it a superstar—so we don't know, but we don't know who, in either side, um, has been calling for her to be uh, either released or sent back to developmental um and a lot of fan reaction regarding the editing of the highlights of that match uh mm. done so as to hide the injury and to hide the blood i not know that's most likely just because of how they wants to present their image um but i can understand how why and how and why for a lot of fans it does not sit well with them
0: mm. indeed
2: uh, next up, we have the Jeff Hardy storyline on SmackDown. Um, I know, I believe Ooh. some both have both of you watched it, or is it just from our talking uh, about it that you I, know about I, it? Yeah, I watched
1: I, it's it. From, yeah, it's just from you guys talking about it. I've been, I admit, I've been um, a little lax in my <laughs> watching of wrestling this week. I admit it, but uh, I've heard bad things. Oof. <laughs> All of
0: them true. Uh... (laughs) So where do we start with this one, Dan?
2: (laughs) I mean, I I think the big point to start off with here is that clearly, if this is going ahead, it has Jeff Hardy's permission to go ahead and that he's okay Mm. with this being used. Um... You know, it, I don't want to go against the performer's wishes and I'm not going to stand here and take any kind of pedestal and say what they should and shouldn't do with their own career decisions. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of fans, it does hit quite close to home, though, knowing Jeff's history. Uh, for reference, for anyone that doesn't know about this storyline, um, or this section of the storyline about Jeff's past issues, he has a history of issues regarding um, alcohol and drug addiction. Um, which has severely hampered parts of his career, uh, being cut from his WWE contract early um, due to failing wellness policies and refusing to go to rehab. Uh, the infamous Victory Road 2011 incident against Ooh. Sting, mm. um, which really showed him at his worst, um, and a few other instances since then, which have um, held him back from the same from the same things. Uh, relapses and things like that. Seeing a storyline where Jeff Hardy is seen supposedly intoxicated in the bush after drink driving a car into Elias um, sits quite uneasy with a lot of people. And uh, again, like I said, clearly it's got some kind of clearance for it to be going ahead like this. I assume it's going to be some kind of extended framing storyline um, probably something along the lines of, I don't know, was actually Seamus or someone else that was involved in the storyline.
0: Yeah, it feels, um, it feels like a very uh, bizarro world version of the whole who ran over Steve Austin uh, storyline. And let's yeah. be honest, that storyline ended very bizarre
2: <laughs> with you know, Rikishi is it,
0: being the culprit.
2: Is it some vehicle for the SmackDown hacker storyline or whatever's going on with that? Uh, we, don't really uh, we don't really know.
0: I hope there's a payoff. I hope there is at least a an interesting payoff because if it is, if it's Hornswoggle again, I I swear <laughs> to God, I am gonna just, I you I, know, I, I couldn't be bothered watching WWE anymore.
2: There's, there's the I, inherent weirdness of Jeff Hardy being seen getting arrested, <laughs> then appearing in a ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, which would strange. mean in in KFA, he's technically a fugitive. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: I mean, to be fair, like. Becky Lynch has also done that where she got arrested and then came back in a police vehicle implying that she might have stolen, said police vehicle and is being now recorded live in a police we did warn you wrestling was weird folks, we did warn you all we I'm did. saying is that now
0: Steve Blackman is a bounty hunter he'd been making a killing and a fortune hunting down professional wrestlers in wwe after they've That's been uh, true. that could through. be a good gimmick <laughs> I I bring keep... steve blackman back as a bounty hunter
2: because <laughs> do you remember do you remember when we said that um uh, so, for reference for this, we had a discussion in our um, in one of our just brief times talking around before, way before any of these. Do you remember when we mentioned about the, um, the hired gun giving, like the APA?
1: Yes, yeah, we did. It's just a group of bounty hunters. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds weird, but it really should work. And I'm shocked that out of the top of my head, only APA come to mind.
0: All I'm saying is if someone gets the clearance... To use the dog, the bounty hunter intellectual property. Oh my god! <laughs> there you go. Use. It. I mean,
2: you're gonna hate he... me for this line, but I have to say it now. It's popped into my head. Road dog, the
1: bounty hunter. Oh, oh no! Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that licensing has got to be going for a reasonable amount of money. I'm sure. sure Dwayne Chapman would be more than happy for someone to depict him in a wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> now That I think about it. Are we sure that Dog the Bounty Hunter and um, a <laughs> Big Papa Pump himself are not the same person?
2: <laughs> are you saying that? Are you saying that we need
1: Dog the Bounty Hunter <laughs> versus Scott Steiner at WrestleMania? I demand that match for WrestleMania 37. That is a arena sellout. If I ever heard it, not all Either men way. Have created equal.
2: <laughs> yeah. We won't be having any Steiner map happening during this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, this storyline has gotten incredibly weird. I have no idea where it's going, but hopefully it works out in the right way for Jeff Hardy. Otherwise, this is going to be an incredibly surreal experience on top of an already surreal year. Um, (laughs) Next story. Uh, The execs in the parent company of uh, New Japan Pro have cut their own salaries to retain talent uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this is quite common practice in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintendo quite famously did it when um, profits went down following the sales of the Wii U. Hey, remember that? <laughs>
3: oh God, yeah, yeah. Um, I that.
2: But yeah, I mean, it's a pretty standard thing in Japan. I know it seems quite a interesting thing over here, cutting it from the top level and saving the bottom level. But um, it's I still very, that. it's still very nice to see, especially in the wake of the current context of U.S. wrestling with wrestlers worrying about being worrying about being booked in this in this context of this time because shows aren't happening um, lots of promotions aren't doing closed shows because there is simply no presence for them in their smaller companies
1: mm. I thought for um, a second, sorry to cut you off I thought for a second then you were about to say, in these uncertain times and I was about to punch you oh, No, no <laughs> oh, God damn it <laughs>
2: No. (laughs) But, you know, it's very nice to see. And um, I know that New Japan are very um, active in trying to get themselves um, running shows again. Mm. Um, And I believe Japan itself has done a, has got a setup for the the roadmap of that. Mm. Uh, Next, uh, WWE Sting, the lost tape documentary, got released. And I have Mm. to say, it's very, very interesting. For, uh, for, for a lot a lot the reasons. context, Sorry. yeah, my voice. Oh, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so for a bit of the context around this, um, in some way, I don't necessarily know how, um, WWE media or people at like WWE managed to get hold of a series of tapes recorded by WCW, I believe, back in '95. And it was basically this kind of behind the scenes look um, at Sting. And it, I mean, this was at a time, I mean, uh, we've used the term kayfabe a lot. This is at a time when it was very protected. Mm. Uh, You didn't have social media. Um, You know, things were a lot more closed off, it was a lot more insular. So having this kind of behind the scenes um, documentary with the people more than the wrestlers. Or the people behind the wrestlers, more I should say, Hmm. um, was is extremely weird, Um, and so there's a lot of instances of um, wrestlers in WCW being on camera and retaining their characters as they're as they're going through and they're giving interviews and stuff before kind of realizing that this is actually real (laughs) and not any kind of character thing. Um, As I said uh, before we started this. one of the most surreal moments was hearing Randy Savage talk in his normal voice.
1: An act that is bizarre to me because I honestly assumed that that was just his voice. Like, and that, that's really that's is. the thing.
2: I, I just kind of assumed that was how he always was, and then hearing him talk but not doing any of the yeah, <laughs> was just like incredible. Was incredibly surreal, and it's a it's a really fantastic watch because it gives you a real look into. Um, the perception of WCW amongst the talent at the time, um, how invested Sting was in the company,
3: mm.
2: which I think is a, a really interesting thing to see. Um, and just a lot of the other smallest bits around kind of the backstage ideas of wrestling and a lot of the ideas behind Sting gimmick and things like how, um, you know, the super small details about how he wouldn't, he wouldn't always do his face paint in the same ways because he wanted it to be different for each time
3: mm.
0: oh, okay. uh, so i think
2: it's a really a really cool look
0: so cool and it brings the question of how much footage in b-roll does wwe have in its library now that they have so many territories under their umbrella for the network it makes you wonder how much how much of that b-roll and interesting behind the scenes stuff they have across every promotions library they have now
2: mm. yeah is- it, it it's crazy and i guess like as i said it's kind of interesting to think that in you know 1995 there was a production company in wcw were doing this yeah mm. like it was basically unheard of yeah um and super forward for that would have been super forward for the time so it's really cool to see that and you know It makes me wonder about what else there might be uh, (laughs) hanging around from, you know, those WCW days and ideas that they tried and maybe there's no take off Hmm. or from other territories, which are now under the WWE umbrella that may have similar style things from around that time. And um, it was was just, again, a really, really cool watch Um, for any person that is interested in wrestling, maybe wants to learn a bit more about, I mean, in the documentary, they kind of term it as the glory days of WCW. (laughs) Um, Maybe at a time when WCW wasn't necessarily seen as much of a footnote joke on the (laughs) WWE banner. Um, But still, like I said, fantastic. Definitely worth watching, if not just for the moment where you see Randy Savage and Sting (sighs) talking about how Randy Savage owes Sting money in his normal voice. (laughs) this show sure. uh yep yeah. uh next bit of the news uh dominic djokovic there if i can say the name properly <laughs> uh to move to raw from nxt uh not a lot to say about this really um super interesting i guess to me because he still hasn't managed to get the north america championship uh, which is kind of in the center of his um storyline focuses recently but Clearly, they think he's ready to make that step up. Obviously, we said before about our own conceptions about moving from NXT to main roster.
1: I'm air quoting mm. here. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's actually something like, not to be like cynical or to um, disparage his accomplishment for being moved up to, again, finger quotes, main roster. But in a time where like no one. India arena is there to see it. What does moving up to the roster really mean?
0: Indeed, uh, you know given, what I mean. Given they're all performing in the exact same place as well, it it yeah. it reminds me a, a lot. This call up reminds me a heck of a lot of um, Ricochet's call up, where yeah, th- uh, he really hadn't realized his full potential in NXT before being properly called up. Um, I would have thought that Dijakovic would have stayed for an incredibly long time because I was really um enjoying the back and forth uh rivalry between uh for all the yeah the back and forth for the North American Championship a lot with Keith Lee Priest and Dijakovic. Um, so for him to kind of just be suddenly thrusted out and called up to the main roster, it is, is it's a weird one. The same can be said as well for Matt Riddle. Um, yeah. Uh, being yeah. up to SmackDown, I genuinely can't understand why I feel like Matt Riddle was perfect in NXT, um, especially since I feel like the Brozawites were one of the best tag teams in NXT. I uh,
2: get the feel. But- I get the feeling with the Matt Riddle one, they're just going to try and play off the Matt Matt Riddle Brock Lesnar heat.
0: Yeah, I feel like they put him on SmackDown deliberately to try and keep him away. From Brock yeah,
1: <laughs> I'm just like when I saw that, I was so confused. <laughs> I was, I admit that. I, I yeah. have. You guys tell me, please, that explain that decision to me because I didn't get it, especially Cut
0: Angle introducing him as well. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. As I've said, I really can't because I, I mean, we've been talking about this concept, their conception of moving up to main roster, not least at this time. But I have to say. If you're an NXT talent member, I don't really know what the benefit of moving up to main roster is. If you look at the track record, <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. Gr- I mean, I assume it probably comes with some kind of perk or benefit that would push you to do it. And I guess there's the point of, you know, you are now competing in what I'm gonna weirdly phrase with air quotes, WWE proper Mm. hmm in in this conception of raw and smackdown being basically the extent of wwe
1: (laughs) i i think before nxt actually got its own like proper um tv slot it made a lot of sense because it's like now like again not to disparage any of the kind of stuff online but now like i am on tv every almost every week On one of the one on the one of the most long running TV shows out there, so I get that. But now that they're like they have a TV slot, that's where it gets a bit. You could just stay there, yeah, and be like, because and not only can you stay there, but it's actively you're actively going up against the competition in the public's eye. AEW, mm. like it's not. It's not Raw versus AEW or SmackDown versus AEW. It's explicitly NXT versus AEW. <laughs> Probably
0: the smartest move Vince has ever done.
2: <laughs> yeah. But like I said, so like there, there there's a lot to try and take in and out of this and like I said, our the current I believe the current track record for people moving from NXT to Raw or SmackDown is checkered at best.
0: I'm yeah. praying To who to the wrestling gods. No, not JBL. I am praying to the wrestling gods that Dijakovic is successful.
2: I don't want to see him become another I don't want to see him well, the one I'm worried about is I don't want him to become another EC3.
0: Exactly.
2: Mm. Um actually what I've realized is I actually haven't put this in my notes, but it was a thing I saw um impact teasing uh WWE releases uh, to possibly appear at, i believe it's called they call it Slam Anniversary yes um so they did some quick vignettes and a pre-release fit, a pre-release package um showing images referencing um people who have been released from WWE possibly teasing them to appear at a or to be signed or things like that Mm. um i mean for example ec3 i can see that makes a lot of sense he was there before he was with wwe Mm -hmm. um has a strong reputation between the company and also he's just incredibly talented he's really good and i don't know why wwe squandered him i'm gonna end my rant on ec3 um but um yeah that was a thing that um i have seen looks very interesting i believe we'll be holding out for i believe it's july 18th yes Uh, Don't quote me on that. Um, But, and then finally, last one, seeing as we also mentioned AEW um, off the comments made, which are now unavailable, as I assume the tweet's been deleted. Uh, Tony Khan made a tweet uh, saying that Linda and Hulk Hogan were banned from AEW shows for the future. Um, So, no Hulkster involvement here, brother. Maybe that's
0: for the best. (laughs) <laughs> maybe you know no, i know there are a load of hogan marks in the world and i i can i, I can fully appreciate and understand that. honestly I, maybe I'm it's gonna, for the I'm best
1: gonna, you know what you know what I, i'm gonna put my my um my feet in the fire really in the <laughs> year, year of our lord 2020 you'd really? be surprised ridden you'd be surprised wow okay. that is I'm not even angry. I am fascinated. I'd love to hear from those people. I mean, like, the- like, contact us. If you are a Hogan Mark in 2020, please contact us. And to think he doesn't really
0: need the money, I mean, considering he did win $115 million in that court case, but you know, taking it to the bank. I am a real American. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
2: But that has been the news with Dan.
1: Excellent. Uh,
0: So before we get to the the main portion, I need to shimmy on over to Sam's recommendation corner because I uh, want to recommend another video on YouTube that I really enjoyed. Now, if you're around YouTube and love uh, bizarro weird stories from the internet, gaming mysteries, you have no doubt stumbled upon justin wang's youtube channel um and his latest video was all about uh, censorship during the wwe attitude era and how the ptc kicked up a storm trying to get smackdown banned from television or at the very least controlled um that didn't end very well
1: for the hold PTC. Up. <laughs> hold up they tried to get Smackdown banned when Raw was right there. Well, the
0: reasoning behind that was because uh, Raw was on cable television. Uh,
1: and uh, Smackdown hey. was
0: within like free access. So, you c- so that was the one that was viable for pretty much everyone to see. Um, it's a very interesting one and an interesting take. I knew of the PTC and the whole scandal with them trying to blame the murder of a child. On the WWF because the murderer was doing wrestling moves, but that oh, never, yeah. yeah, that
2: never happened. Like
1: I remember yeah. hearing about that way back.
2: Just, before. just briefly, because I've forgotten. Do you remember what the what PTC stands for? The
0: oh, I think it was the Parents Something Council, uh, the Parents Television yeah. Council. I believe. I believe. Do not quote yeah. on that one.
2: Because I was just to say because uh, side. For a side note, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to go into too much about myself here, um, but I am a person who works in education, and the first thing you said it was, why the hell would a parent-teacher conference happening about it? <laughs> 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 and then I realised, oh, wait, no, it's those people that used to actually protest TV, but I couldn't remember what they were called. <laughs> I, I mean, mean you oh, know Vince oh, is petty when he makes a faction de-
0: uh, parodying the PTC, of course, called the Right funny. to Censor.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, that was the Right to Censor, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I remember those. Oh, the
0: dudes. Attitude Era. You were crazy. I, no, that's all, I, that's all I got to say. You were crazy. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, check it out. Justin Wang's channel on that video. And check out Wang's channel. He's awesome. He does a lot of awesome gaming and uh, internet mystery stuff. Although, yeah, he's, no, he's, incre- he he's incredible. His, he does dip, dip his finger into wrestling every so often.
2: He uh, He's incredible. I love his content. Yeah, I love him.
0: So, with that, it is time to crack on to the main portion of this podcast. The Summer of Punk, 2011. July 17th, 2011. The All-State Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. A rabid, sold-out crowd chanting for one man, their hometown hero. His music hits and CM Punk is met with thunderous applause. His first chance at the WWE title. A very partisan crowd, all cheering for him as he goes up against John Cena. But before we get to the crux of that match, let us set the Wayback Machine all the way to 2005. And the first incarnation of the Summer of Punk. Now, if I'm correct in my assumptions... I guess you two have heard of the 2005 version of the Summer of Punk, but don't know the full context
1: and content of this summer. Okay, I'm going to put my cards on the table right now. <laughs> this episode is going to be the one where I... One of the, one of those episodes where I am completely blank from the details. <laughs> I, because... Oh don't worry
2: i'll help you get involved in it (laughs) yeah thank you
1: because like at that time both 2005 and 2011 were some of my sleep years when it comes to wrestling (laughs) where i will wake up and then i'll see all right what's going on who is that why does he look like that (laughs) oh my god (laughs)
2: Yeah, that, that to you is like 2012, is like 2012, 13 to like 2018 for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm glad in this sense, because I want to give you two a lot of context on this one as to why people yeah. revere this version so much more. Yeah, because what,
2: what I was going to say was, is that I remember, um, obviously you sent this to us beforehand when we were, I guess planning of this but in like you know getting this all set up um but i because i remember the second incident that you sent me mm. but i didn't remember the first one
0: yes so let us begin in late may of 2005 and it's been linked onto the internet that cm punk has either signed or has been in negotiations with world wrestling entertainment now CM Punk was number one contender for the ROH Championship at this time, uh, and leading up to Death Before Dishonour free where he would face Austin Aries for the uh, for the championship. Everyone assumed, and it was billed as such, that this was going to be CM Punk's final match for Ring of Honor. Uh, now, if anyone's seen the match, it's it's a blooming good match. Um, both of them at their absolute prime, and uh, And uh, if I would say more kind of like Aries being Aries in this match, but, you know, it didn't really need to matter because Punk, no matter what Punk did in this match, he was going to be white hot for this one, being his, air quote, final match. Uh, Punk, everyone assumed he was going to lose. Somehow he wins and is new Ring of Honor champion. And then he gets on the mic Everyone chanting, we will miss you, we will miss you. And then he just cuts his famous pipe bomb. Of course, he was talking about the analogy of a man saving a snake and then the snake biting him. Uh, And then he goes, I am the devil himself and all of you stupid, mindless people fell for it. Everyone with a chorus of boos. Most people cheering because, of course, even when he's good or bad, you can't help but cheer for CM Punk. Um, but this was great, because it was like a whole thing of, what the frick is going on? Wait, no, he's staying as champion? Oh my god, why did he do? But he's signed with WWE, it's like, Wah! I remember watching this on the wrestling channel, and I was just stumped. I was like, what the hell is going on? Well, we only need to find out a month later. So July, he has a couple of title defences against Jay Lethal and Roderick Strong. And then that second one, uh... I think uh, I want to say it was Sign of Dishonor in July, uh, where Punk comes out in a suit, holding the RRH title in his arm. I know, the, 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 the image of Punk in a suit. That is,
2: yeah. Uh, pretty <laughs> great, especially for that time. Like, Being a corporate oh.
1: shield, like a proper corporate shield. For those of you who don't know what CM Punk looks like. He sounds like the name CM Punk. <laughs> uh,
2: there, there's, there's a great, um, I believe, is a thing he did at either a, like a Comic Con signing, or maybe like an open panel interview. Um, and I don't remember. It was talking about an incident he had on the road with Kofi Kingston, <laughs> um, and it's like, I'm, I'm with. You am know, I'm, I'm with Kofi, I, I'm traveling with Kofi, and I look like I know where I can get, I look like I know how to make some good meth. So that's the kind <laughs> of the image you need of them. He
1: is, the, he is what Avril Lavigne was singing about when she was singing about... Oh my movie. god!
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, I hope Punk hears that. I swear to God, <laughs> my heart, Punk. Someone, <laughs> someone, somewhere sends Punk that.
1: Am I incorrect in my description? Watchers, we get. We're gonna get our first block. I
2: was gonna say we're gonna get our first block from a WWE <laughs> album.
0: Oh my God! Right, so bring it back to where we were. Yes, the famous image of CM Punk cutting a promo, telling him that he is going and he's taking the Ring of Honor Championship with him, and then he does probably one of the most. Famous things a heel could have ever have done. He takes the ring of honor title, gives it to a fan, pops his WWE contract on the title, and signs on the dotted line on the ring of honor championship. Oh my god! I remember. I remember thinking,
2: "What a dick." <laughs> um, should we give context to this kind of situation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so to give context to this kind of situation, it is not, I mean, not necessarily a massive deal moving between promotions. It is often seen as a bit of a progression thing, but the concept of taking a title to another promotion um, is an incredibly big thing. Yeah. Um, It's a thing that's very much looked down upon. um, And I mean, I don't even know if it's even a thing that really happens today.
0: It was a very Um, common occurrence in the late eighties and nineties.
2: Well yeah, because I remember in like Uh, I remember in like the eighties and the nineties there was a whole like time where people just go from ocean to promotion and just unify titles. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. The the thing about um this idea for our listeners who don't (laughs) really know. Um this basically goes back into the era of territories. Basically, before WWE Basically got a monopoly over yeah. wrestling in the world. Yep. But particularly in the United States, <laughs> there used to be territories all over the countries. So the idea was that if you were a champion in one territory and you're gonna move to another one, you drop the, your title. Yeah. You'd lose. Because yeah. it's like you're not gonna be wrestling here anymore. So why would you? Why would you take the title? <laughs> That's the idea. So the idea of taking the title with you is a basically treason. <laughs> yeah, it's kind. It's kind of like the big fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most heelish move that you could possibly do, mm. short of murdering a man.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, and even then, you could get over murdering in person. So, yeah, very interesting. Look true. At the
2: career of New Jack.
1: Oh. <laughs> no. uh, we're blocked by New Jack. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> Any- no, anyway. He wouldn't care. He wouldn't care. But anyway, that's the context.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, he does that. And thus, this in this promo, funny enough, is when the newly debuting James Gibson, formerly known as Jamie Noble, comes out and demands a match against Punk. Um, It was actually on this night he refused and ended up facing Jay Lethal for the title. Um, But this would start a rivalry that would last through the summer of Punk. So uh, on the 16th of July, at ROH Fate of an Angel, there was a world title match between Punk and Gibson. Punk obviously retains the title, but the seeds of doubt are starting to show that Gibson could actually kind of usurp Punk from his title just before taking it to WWE. So a uh, few days later, at the homecoming, Punk faces the fallen angel Christopher Daniels for the world, uh, for world title, retains it. And uh, the uh, around August time, I think it was early August time. Yes, it would have been. Uh, at ROH Redemption, a four-way match is uh, signed. Punk versus Samoa Joe versus James Gibson versus Christopher Daniels four-way elimination match now if what a match if anyone goes out of their way to watch this this is without question one of the best four-way matches ring of honor not only ring of honor put on but
2: just wrestling in general um just think about that lineup though i mean i'm just calling the big three in there cm punk samoa joe and christopher daniels
0: (laughs) and this at this time like after jamie noble had been released he was really popular in ring of honor he didn't unfortunately his time was cut short after he had lost the title and then was signed back up by wwe but he was really popular at this time um so yeah i mean this is coming off the bat as well off the back as well of samoa joe and cm punk's trilogy of matches for that title uh back in uh back in 2004 uh, and everyone knows that that is probably the greatest trilogy of matches in the past twenty
1: years. Those are so, so good. And again, I'm, act- I'm actually quite surprised to hear you say that, Sam. Be given the, be the huge Gargano champa guy yes. that you are, I'm actually <laughs> kind of stunned
0: that you said that. Hey, look, yeah, you know, I know Gargano champa, Okada Omega, great. But for me, they they just just can't beat Punk and Joe. Um, but again, again, as I said, context. Like, go out and go out of your way and watch them. Great matches. Uh, but for this one, James Gibson picks up the win. And he is the new Ring of Honor champion. Uh, and a bit of a, 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 a somber one. Because it's like, I think a lot of people were now starting to realise that these were Punk's final days wrapping up. Um, and they ended it there for him to have his farewell match the next day. And what a farewell match to have it in Chicago, up against your best friend Colt Cabana in a best two out of three falls match. Uh, and even though it's kind of like a good farewell match, it, 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 it was basically the greatest hits collection of what Cabana and Punk were doing since they had started, coming up from IWA Mid-South, a couple of matches here in TNA and CZW, and finally what they had been doing in Ring of Honor. It was a good way to cap off that summer of punk and away to him for kind of the fond farewell and best of luck in wwe we know you can do it um and when you put it into that context and hindsight this was like a short short amount of time for punk as champion but so darn memorable and if you're a ring of honor fan if anyone's listening who's a ring of honor fan has been since 2002 everyone knows this time because it was just such gripping wrestling, the storylines, the wrestling itself, the people involved, and with hindsight, it's really upsetting to see how the WWE version panned out
1: in comparison. So, yep. yeah, let us. So I, I, before we do, like, like, so yeah, we're gonna get into it. <laughs> we're gonna get into it. But I honestly wanted, like, just get a general. What are your impressions with? Um... CM Punk's work in the WWE. I, I, me personally, I'd probably say a mixed bag. <laughs> Here's the thing I've always said about CM
0: Punk. Athletically, he's not the most gifted person has ever stepped in the ring. He, but you can tell that he has been a tireless hard worker to make sure that everything he does in that ring, he does right. It may not be the best in technique, but he makes sure that it's done right. He does that because his promo work and his character work is second to none.
3: Mm.
1: I'd agree with that. I'd also say that, um, seeing as uh, speaking to someone who didn't know about the Ring of Honor stuff back in the day when watching Punk go, <laughs> I admit I was very impressed. Punk is a weird, weird wrestler for the WWE. <laughs> He yeah. really is, and like, and I think as time goes on, he still stands out. Even though I, you could argue that time has kind of come, come catch up to that kind of style in the WWE, but not by much. Like now, the go to sleep finisher <laughs> is a a particular like. It's a underrated in my in my head. Like, I tend to forget about the go to sleep, but I love it. But when you look at it for the first time as, like, a guy weaned purely on WWE, it's this weird, yeah. weird, weird thing. Yep. <laughs> like, you, like, do all this, like, go around the shoulder only to basically knee someone in the head? Hey, you got to thank it's... Kenta for that one. <laughs> Yeah. Oh well. Thank you, Kenza. That I love it.
2: <laughs> but it's weird. But you know what I mean. He's just yeah. No. I I absolutely know what you mean. It reminds me of um uh like the people who do the military plus stuff and then drop them into a power slam. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it, it. I always sort of think like when you just do a running power slam. But <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah.
1: like i think the great, one of the great things watching punk in those days was that heel or face you could like the great thing uh, about was that the wwe wrestlers kind of didn't know what to do with him <laughs> how do you fight this guy he doesn't fight like anyone else on the roster at all mm-hmm. and i like, yeah i've i've always enjoyed that but i think it started to get a few problems on the way and which we will get into.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I do just want to quickly give my thoughts on CM Punk Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, we kind of prefaced this in the previous one by saying that it is kind of, this is going to be my episode, and the one where I'm going to start getting infuriated. (laughs) Um, And he was a wrestler who I think appealed to me because he was like no one else at the time. Mm. Um, I will admit in my way younger days, I didn't really like him as much. But as I got older, and I kind of revisited wrestling, I realized more and more how much I actually enjoyed watching him wrestle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, it's a thing I talk about a fair bit with I talk about my favorite wrestlers, but I really like people who are able to reinvent themselves. Yeah. Mm. Um, people who are able to, you know, really be convincing and really kind of have this air about them. Um I think when he was a heel he kind of fit into the sim a similar role as like a, a Chris Jericho in that he was a heel but you kind of felt like you liked him in a weird way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I will I will um put my hand up as well at the time. Like he was fun to watch, but he wasn't one of my favorites just because he was just so out there, even for a guy who who like watched like TNA and <laughs> knew a little bit more about it, just seeing like seeing this guy it's like you're just confused. This <laughs> this two four wrestling standards, gangly flexy dude. Yeah, because
2: we we have to say um, it's a thing I mentioned before, one of the first episodes. But um, WWE has a bit of a preoccupation with big muscly men (laughs) um so seeing this guy (laughs) yeah um so seeing this guy who was comparatively quite thin um didn't do a lot of big showy moves per se Mm. but had a lot of i mean like a lot of i mean really good fundamentals um but also this kind of weird kind of half standard pro wrestling half like Mai Tai looking kicks and elbows um, and could do bits of like springboard and occasionally go to the top rope although I will say one of my criticisms of him he wants to emulate Randy Savage but my god he has one of the worst elbow drops I've ever seen <laughs> in my life
0: <laughs> and one of the most crooked moonsaults I've ever seen by yeah <laughs>
2: I know he's doing it in tribute to Matro Man Randy Savage, but by God, <laughs> he kinda misses it. Um But like I said, it was just that those bits of um those bits of promo work, those little bits of character. Uh, I remember the Straight Edge Society gimmick. Yeah. Um absolutely loved that. Um and the work he was able to do with that. Um and then once we kind of got into this bigger summer of punk angle per se, um, he just involved evolved into this character that I just felt myself drawn to, and why even now in big 2020 um, I am now excited about the fact that I own a CM punk shirt. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. I, I, will, I will just quickly I will say my one criticism, and it's such an, a stupid nitpick, but I will do it and then we will move on. I hate the it's clogging time. I hate it so much. <laughs> like, And this is someone who was a huge Marvel fan. I hate it. I've never liked it. Ever. Hence Ever. Now, so now I know
0: why you hated me so much to in the intro. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, I
2: will admit that's part of
1: it. It's just that it's hilarious. Oh, my God.
2: Oh, I will man. also say that Colt Personality was one of amazing picks for an entrance fee, but it fit in yeah.
1: perfectly. Oh yeah, that that is. A
2: perfect... I hardly think I can hardly think of a uh, entrance piece of entrance music that would fit him better, and that no. harkens back to his Ring of Honor days because,
0: funnily enough, yeah. during the summer of punk, that was his entrance theme. Mm. Right. So, on with on with it. Let us take the wayback machine, fast forward it, but not too far, to uh, to the twenty seventh of June two thousand and eleven. The Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. A seemingly innocuous, by the numbers Monday Night Raw. Kane defeated CM Punk by counter. He had enough. He was he was but begrudgingly. He was above having to face people like Kane, especially since he had a uh, WWE title shot on the line a couple of weeks down at Money in the Bank. It also he had also made his intentions clear that at that time. That would be his final match in WWE. Main event time. John Cena versus R-Truth in a tables match. Everything seems to be by the numbers. You know, John Cena's John Cena. He's doing his spots. Uh, R-Truth is R-Truth. Being on the- <laughs> <laughs> And so Cena no, goes to no. set up a ta- table in the corner. Uh, he goes to set up a table in the middle of the ring. About to do the attitude adjustment when suddenly the table has been pulled from under the ring. Wait a second. CM Punk's out there. He does the whole you can't see me thing. John Cena chases after him, doesn't realise that R-Truth's got back up. And as soon as he gets into the ring, boom, spear into the corner table. R-Truth has won. CM Punk stands at the top of the entranceway with a microphone in hand. Sits down cross-legged and probably gives us one of the greatest promos WWE has ever seen. Let us talk about the Pipe Bomb.
2: Dan. I'll let you guys talk. Oh, okay, you want to go for me first? Have we got enough time for this? No, no, no. I, I,
1: I, 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 let's go for the one who has the shortest first. Let's go for the one who's shortest first. Okay. Um, The Pipe Bomb is obviously one of the greatest and one of the most important promos of the modern era, just just uh, a full-on de- controlled demolition of kayfabe, <laughs> the likes of which have never seen before or since just laying it all on the line, a sight to behold. And it's, it's kind of, I'm a little bit um, it's one of those things where you're like, God, I wish more people, especially our listeners knew just a little bit more about wrestling to understand just how big a deal this was. To give it context just... as well at
0: that time, Punk had had the Straight Edge Society uh, had that rivalry with Rey Mysterio, then suddenly have the Straight Edge Society crumble in front of him, where he had no control of, was then moved to Raw, had done commentary, then became the leader of the new Nexus, um, had this terrible rivalry with Randy Orton that culminated at WrestleMania, reignited his feud with Rey Mysterio. And at this point, he had finally had snapped and he had had enough and was um, asked, uh, well, not asked for his release, but just said, I'm not signing your new contract. And this all, all of that tension had led up to, to that one moment. As a matter of fact, if you've seen CM Punk, uh, Best in the world. The documentary that came out in 2013, Punk was stopped by one of the head writers and told, "Oh, you're going to love this.
1: They're going to give you a
0: microphone and you're going to air your grievances."
1: Yep. I I I admire the balls of that decision.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of the things about um this promo um where a lot of the things thrown about. It's like, was it was this actually a work? Was it was it a true shoot per se, but um, as from what I read of it, it was ditchy they were just like, "Look, here's like five minutes, go." Yeah.
1: Um, Sam, I think it's your time before we let them loose. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah, I don't think a lot of people outside of wrestling realize just how big, how seismic and an effect this had. Um. Soon as it had happened, not only did he get suspended, which was then kind of uh, rescinded the next week, but after that, the mainstream attention that WWE had had was unlike anything they had ever seen. The closest you could probably get to it was the Attitude Era. You had Sports Illustrated, ESPN, all of the sports casters wanting interviews with Punk because this was so unprecedented. This guy was not re-signing a deal, he had just gone on national television and kind of exposed some of the, the, the lies and some of the BS that he's had to put up with in the six years in his career. He's laid all of his laundry out, now he's got suspended, and now he's looking, most possibly looking like he's going to leave when his contract's up. I, I, I still think nothing before or since has come close
1: I, like, new the new only, attention yeah, that's had. The only thing I can think about with um in regards to that is Stone Cold Steve Austin. But the fun, but the thing about Stone Cold Steve Austin is that that was still in wrestling's bubble. Absolutely, yeah. Even even though like you're literally fighting, like fighting your boss in the wrestling <laughs> ring is one thing. Actively like airing serious complaints about the management in on live national television, naming company names other than WWE is unheard of. WWE is a real, I'm a real American, it's a, <laughs> but it, it is, it is a seriously American company. You don't do that. You can't do that.
0: You're not yeah. allowed to do that. Yeah, especially breaking the fourth wall and waving to Colt Cabana. That was that was the serious one. No, don't don't worry,
1: yeah, I'll mention yeah. that. It, that's like that's like um, it's it, that's like um, it's like Donald Duck taking over a Disney float in Disneyland. <laughs> that doesn't happen. No,
0: that can't happen. But it did, and boy. Did it make an absolute kind of difference to yeah. WWE in terms of its attention and the fact now that Punk was? You no, know, it was not. It was not a deliberate move on Punk's part that he wore a Steve Austin shirt when he was cutting that promo because um, he knew. I think he kind of knew that this guy, this, could either make or break this yeah. this feud yeah. and my future in this company. So screw it. I'm just gonna do it. And for irony's sake. I'm going to tell you, deliberately advertise, that this is my Steve Austin moment. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Dan, Dan,
2: the floor is yours.
1: I'm going to take a smoke.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So when I talk about this moment, I mean, we've thrown around this idea that it was this kind of seismic, massive scale event to happen in wrestling. I'm going to talk about it from my own perspective. Uh, and if I can throw in little bits about the wider world of wrestling and how it relates to as well Uh, but for myself this was one of the first big moments I had ever had of exposure to wrestling companies that were not WWE or that I knew from TNA now Impact because that had a quite a spate of popularity over here because they had quite a few um, UK born wrestlers and it kind of part of their branding. For me, this was just the most line-blurring, insane event that I have I'd ever witnessed in the realm of wrestling. There are great promos out there. You know, there's like the Macho Man promo and a whole other, load of other ones that people have done. But this, what for me went into this weird transcendent space where it all of a sudden extended outside just the world of wrestling and our conception of kayfabe. Um, The fact that he mentioned other companies, the fact that he openly mentioned wrestlers who were not signed with WWE, (laughs) and the fact that this was just a man talking frankly about the business that he loved there are so many small bits in it that i absolutely love so he mentioned the one where he turns to the camera and says hi colt cabana (laughs) um for me it was this sparking point because i was like who's colt cabana (laughs) i have to go and (laughs) i have to go and look look this up now i have to like figure this out
1: thank goodness he didn't Um,
0: say hi scotty goldman
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the one where he says the greatest quote about the problem of John Cena in yes. history? This this one. Oh man. Yeah. I'll let you say this one then. But... Yeah.
2: Um, and so, like, I mean, so the the bit that I always remember the most is um, he's talking. He's talking to John, directly addressing John Cena in this. Um, and he says, but I am the best wrestler here. And for me, that was some really interesting point because I never realized this kind of separation that they'd made. Mm. Mm. Um, and I mean, okay, the bit the bit that for me did it was when he, uh, this company would be better off when Vince McMahon's dead, though it will probably go to his idiot son-in-law. And to think about that as a line on its own, outside of the context, is a very bold thing to say on live TV <laughs> um, in a space where you're directly addressing the country per se. But this was the first. This was the first kind of time that a wrestler had said that kind of thing on air. Mm. And to make that kind of statement is very big. And Mm. so we've spoken about the concept of taking titles to other promotions. And it says, maybe I'll go defend the WWE Championship in Ring of Honor. Maybe I'll defend it in New Japan Pro. There's a lot of conception about, you know, being in a smaller one and taking it somewhere else. Mm. But the concept of taking the WWE title to Ring of Honor, contextually is crazy. Yeah.
1: Absolute madness, just just cannot
0: happen. Now, given like, the fact this was the yeah. contributing factor to the Montreal screw job as well. Uh, oh, yeah. Given that Brett Brett had gave Vince his word that he wasn't going to do anything silly, he just didn't want to hand it over in Montreal.
1: But Vince didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I think the, the line I was thinking about, John Cena and again. I'm not sure if it's this one or a later one. is them saying. I don't hate you, John Cena. It's, it's, I don't even dislike you. I just yeah. hate this idea that you're the best. Yeah. Which, I I think about that line mm. all the time. <laughs> that line basically haunted John Cena for the rest of his career. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well,
2: no, it really did because then, um, following on from that, it's like, um you're not you're not the best, you might be the best at kissing Vince's ass. maybe not as good as Dwayne was. <laughs> and again, Need that's track. that kind of blurring of the lines, because, you know, we all know Dwayne, brackets, The Rock, bra- close brackets, Johnson. <laughs>
3: mm.
2: But, again, it was this kind of point where... I don't necessarily want to say it was like the inside was being revealed, you know how they use the phrase of, like, um looking into the sausage factory. Yeah. The yeah. sausage was made. Um, uh, so, for context where anyone doesn't know that expression, it means looking into finding out how something that you, you like is made and being disgusted by it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. But, it was this moment that kind of changed my perception of wrestling. All of a sudden, I this person who I had really, really liked had done this big Bold statement against this company and this thing that I had enjoyed, and given me exposure to ho- a whole new world of wrestling. You know, following that. that, I had exposure to New Japan Pro, I had exposure to Ring of Honor, and I, through that, I was able to find out about the Summer of Punk 2005. And it's kind of crazy to me that, you know, all of this actually happened and I will give a brief mention to the promo that came afterwards as well <laughs> um where he brings out the megaphone with him yes
0: uh- yes <laughs> do i have everybody's attention now so it's a good I thing I brought this
2: megaphone that. in case they cut my mic off
0: um guy glad you brought that up because uh leading up to where we were when we introduced this one he did deliver two amazing promos that one with the megaphone and if you haven't seen it, it is actually on YouTube, the full thing, the contract signing, or negotiations yes. and signing between him and Vince. Yes.
1: Oh yeah, that's the, wow, yeah. So, so uh... oh man, where, he... where Vince McMahon says, you'd think Vince McMahon would say anything? <sighs> anything, he'd You, like, the the man is the devil. But say what you will. He will do anything and say anything if it means his company succeeds. Mm. But there are certain things that you think even he wouldn't say. And he did. And the fact he got
0: him
2: to say I'm sorry. Yeah, the the moment I always remember from the contract signing one is um he yeah, it's Vince McMahon. It says like, "Don't, don't push me," and then Punk just goes like, "Look at Article One. I can push you." <laughs> uh,
0: it's the one. That,
2: that's just that's just a great piece of like scripted comedy. Just
0: amazing. It's the one where he goes as well. I want my ice cream bars? Vince, yeah, I'll the kick ice you in cream the nuts. bars. I will kick you in the nuts, and you'll smile, and you'll like it, and show me some respect. It was. It's he was the he was on top form, that whole thing. Especially when he, uh, the first thing Punk says, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen of the board, uh, the chairman of the board, Vince McMahon. And Vince is doing his own yeah, let's give over for events. And you just hear Punk going, what a maneuver!
2: Yeah, I I think, I think the best way to put how I feel about CM Punk is I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the phrase, or the term, anti-hero. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, he became a symbol of this side of wrestling that I don't necessarily
1: know people actually wanted. But well, after... I, I I think it's less that not wanted. You just didn't think that side will ever be represented.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to say he. I don't want to say he was like some kind of weird hearkening back to like the Attitude Era. <laughs> no. But he kind of he kind of represented this more. I'm going to say non-corporate element yeah. of wrestling but he was he I mean in be it that his name is CM Punk it makes sense that he would be somewhat <laughs> counter to how things kind of operate, and obviously he came from Ring of Honor he didn't come from WWE Developmental um, if you'll remember he briefly wrestled in WWE CW until they realised he was way too good and way better than everyone else there absolutely <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, he kind he kind of just represented this very different thing compared to everyone else. Not least being pitted against a John Cena.
0: Indeed, indeed, it was. uh, It's it's it was a very interesting, a very very interesting time uh, to be a wrestling fan, and indeed a fan of CM Punk as well. Yeah, I find so. Let us go back to where we introduced it. The State Arena, Rosemont, Illinois, July 17th, 2011. CM Punk is sat cross-legged in the middle of the ring. John Cena comes out to a chorus of boos. And it is the WWE title match, the main event.
1: John Cena versus CM Punk. I will say this about Chicago. There is not a place alive that can boo John Cena like
0: Chicago. There is not a more... I, unless you count London... Or, I guess you can't, UK as a whole, I don't think there is a more rowdier crowd than
1: Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like sh- the three I find it's Chicago, Toronto, London yep. in that order.
2: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I mean, I don't want to be disparaging to the city of Chicago, but like, it is well known for like how fervent and I I would say partisan, its crowds are. (laughs) I watch a fair amount of American sports, and trust me, you can hear Chicago crowds. (laughs)
0: That's true. That's very true. Given that this is the same arena, fun fact this is the same arena that Chris Jericho debuted for the WWF. This was the same arena that CM Punk made his appearance as one of the gangsters in uh, John Cena's car during his entrance at WrestleMania 22, as well. He did? Really? (laughs) Yeah yeah um and that was when he was at his time when he was sent to
1: ovw when he was just signed by the wwe at that time like i'd always known about that i just didn't know that that was all that was also in chicago i keep forgetting
0: yeah yeah and so this match have you guys seen it and if so tell me how amazing this main event was
1: (laughs) it shouldn't be possible (laughs)
2: <laughs> i mean it it's just like you know, i mean i was gonna say a pure expression of wrestling but that's not necessarily the right way to put it but it is just i mean not least for me just because it's a CM punk match but it's just such an enjoyable match to watch there's so many great moments in it
0: mm, and given this and, we were right in the peak of uh the super cena era as well yeah
2: that's what that's lol shocking. cena wins yeah,
1: Lowell Cena wins. I think I will do a slight polka deck. Slight... Oh, low Cena wins. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I think it's like, or low X like, wins. I think it's like um to to put it to to take um uh, to take a uh, catchphrase from Sam to put it in context. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think like if you don't watch wrestling, especially at that time, if you only if you're more casual than I am, you kind of take John Cena's. Ubiquity for granted. Mm. John Cena at that time was everywhere. You yeah, know, he he, he, he
2: really was the the modern incarnation of Hulk Hogan in
1: a way. Yeah, for better or worse. <laughs> and it just uh how do I? Maybe we'll make an episode out of John Cena. I animated. think we should. I think, like, I think it's one that we do need to just so, like, we can all really just get it out in the open because it is. It goes back to that that what CM Punk said. I don't hate John Cena. I don't even dislike John Cena. The stuff that he does is very good. the The fact that the man can lift as much as he can <laughs> is.
2: Oh, God! I man. will say, I so um, I believe it was. At some point in the run-up to one of these matches, um, there was a tag match with CM Punk and John Cena on the same team, mm-hmm. um, and I remember there there was there was a spot in it where they copied each other's moves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I will tell you why I remember this. Now I'm just thinking, about it and we're mentioning John Cena again. Um, it's that Punk copies his moves and does them like near impeccably. And seeing John Cena try and copy the high knee bulldog combination is hilarious because yeah. it looks so janky. Especially <laughs> yeah. in jorts. Well like yeah. the the knee, I can get him like kind of messing that up in jorts. Mm. Um uh, yeah. because like to be fair, if you see if you see the kind of movement that punk does on the high knee um in that combo, it's it it's such a it's such a simple signature yeah. kind of move spot. But it really works for me. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, when you yeah. see John Cena do it, it looks so awkward. And the fact is, right, John Cena used to do a lot of bulldogs anyway in his moveset. Yes. So I don't know why he finds doing one running from the corner make it look so awkward.
1: <laughs> I don't think he did that many at that... He kind of stopped. I remember you... Now that you mention it, yeah, I do remember like him doing a bulldog was quite common. But... Now he after at that point he stopped. At that point he yeah. At that point he is his move set was finalized. And yeah, the it five moves over, of Doom were born. The five, the five yeah. moves Lol Cena born. wins. And then he wins, overcoming the odds, even though he was never the underdog, ever.
2: Hey ever. I just like I just like to throw in a brief mention here. Um do you remember the time when very briefly, uh, John Cena's, I guess, finisher was a springboard stunner.
1: Yeah. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> I don't understand that, but whatever. I'm sorry. I just, ha- I just had to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. But no, he was just, just the corporate image, in a nutshell, <laughs> and it was infuriating at points. And yeah, it, and it's like. When you're a fan, you're buckling at the reins. Because it's not him. It's not him. Mm. It's the management. It's the actual people. Yeah, the so way it...
2: the way I described it um when I was talking to one of my friends was that it was almost sickly. <laughs> as in like, you know, you have too much of something that's sugary and you start to feel sick.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Like it, it's great and it's it's really nice um to have. Dear. And you know. It's kind of a very WWE thing that you have a corporate face.
1: Yeah, the one guy.
2: And, like one and guy. so, in in this context, corporate face basically means a guy who's only allowed to be face. He's only allowed to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there was the proposed heel a turn in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is its which is its own thing, but like, you know, it, he became the face of the company, maligned by The Rock and things like that despite (laughs) the fact that the rock was for a time that corporate face
1: yeah yeah but when Um, he did it he was the heel and it was great
2: (laughs) yeah um but yeah so we go we go through we say like that he had this kind of thing where it was literally like oh he's the good guy and he will overcome all adversity possible and like occasionally lose maybe yeah, I mean, but given- well, they have to cheat. I mean, because I'm just, rem- I'm just remembering uh, John Cena, Sheamus, Extreme Rules. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where like the match was over in like three minutes. Yep. <laughs> um. So like that's like the brief kind of one of the few footnotes of that of that time. But like those are exceptions to the rule and unfortunately... um, cm punk oh, well. didn't have that kind of uh thing so no, no <laughs> I, once again thing. he says um sorry i'm sorry i'm interrupting <laughs> nah, you that's again. All right, <laughs> um we expected this did cm punk never actually got around to main eventing wrestlemania did he nope nope and this is the curse of super cena
0: which foreshadowing does play uh quite a bit surprisingly quite a bit in the 2011 Summer of Punk. And I will get into that in the conclusion. As well as just uh, throughout this whole uh, this whole ordeal. But uh, yeah. He never got that opportunity. Which was weird. Um, and I think that was one of the stickling points. And we'll get into that yes, in, no, the, uh, we'll into in the future. Uh, the conclusion part of uh, Punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what happened after all of this. So yeah. This match was phenomenal. And say what you will about cena which we already have but i feel like punk and cena worked so gosh darn well together
1: it shouldn't have worked but it did but it did. That's it all i can say it. that's all i can honestly say this shouldn't have worked but oh god it did i mean whoever was booking these matches
0: knew kind of knew the strengths of both of them and how to kind of elevate them both it was right, definitely. even if John Cena needed elevating, which clearly he didn't. But uh, but still, I think the point still stands that, you know, both of them brought out the absolute best in each other. And this match is probably the absolute zenith of that Cena-Punk rivalry in the series of matches that they had. Yeah, there was no way that Punk... If Punk had lost this one, I couldn't have imagined what would have happened in that arena at that time. Um, given for context... <laughs> as well punk had literally signed his new deal halfway through that pay-per-view so um he was he was a dumb man and of course they could go along with punk being champion uh i remember the ending of this one um being a bit fishy and a bit super cena bookie um punk won but not clean given interference by John Laurinaitis and Vince McMahon. Even though Cena said, no, Fucking John I'm, Laurinaitis. Not, I'm not having no one ring the damn bell. We're going to do this clean. Uh, CM Punk goes for the GTS. Boom. He wins. Uh, Vince, in like a blind panic, is like, gets on the uh, on the headset. One of the commentators said, get Del Rio down here. Get him down here right now. And Del Rio comes down with his newly minted money in the bank case. He runs down, slides into the ring, gets kicked in the head. Punk runs out off into the crowd, blows Vince yeah. a kiss, and there you go. CM Punk has left the WWE with the WWE Championship. It that is in-
2: just one of my favorite images from yeah. WWE. Yeah. Of just CM Punk sitting on the fan barrier with like all these chicago and rosemont going illinois fans mad. going insane around him and you just see the back of vince's head and he's just blowing the kiss towards him <laughs> yeah Dude, that a... shit's amazing just
0: like it is that is like if you want to take a picture perfect moment of this encapsulate this whole summer of punk that is the perfect image <laughs> and so there there you go punk has left his wwe champion what is going to happen now that He's gone, and he's taken the championship with him. How long will Punk be away? We'd get our answer to, like, eight days later. So they had a tournament to decide the WWE championship. Rey Mysterio won that, the first match of that Raw. John Cena, I don't know, in his infinite wisdom, decided that he deserved a title shot, and so they had one at that main event. And John Cena won and then we hear the bars the first few bars of cult of personality and who should walk out but cm punk now this is one of the first things i have a gripe with wwe should have kept punk away from tv for an extended amount of time um i think it really would have worked and you know what it would have worked if they had a working agreement with other companies to have him wrestle for them yeah because i think it would have brought a lot of eyes over oh he's got the WWE title on him, but he's in Ring of Honor. What the hell's happening? Let's tune into Monday Night Raw.
1: Yeah, I think, like, this is the one there. That is the first, and uh, that is a first mistake and quite a damning flaw. Like, because it's like, that's the storyline. The storyline is, if he wins, he's going to wrestle with it in other companies. Mm. He's won. So (laughs) why isn't he doing that? Yeah. And worse, because it's CM Punk, a man that we have seen, doesn't give a fuck about what the WWE won. Mm. Exactly. Why? Why
0: wouldn't he do that? I think the I think, if I'm correct in saying this, the only thing he did outside of WWE was mm. invade or gate crash a WWE panel at San Diego Comic Con with a megaphone, uh, yes. Uh, yes. asking Triple H. Um, about where's his WWE championship. Uh, Oh, wait, I've got it on me. Um, But that was it.
1: And I was like, really?
0: That was the payoff.
1: (laughs) It's just, um, it's like you you needed that bit. You needed that bit to show that this is for real. Even if it was literally one week and have him do it, I think that it, would have, it wouldn't have been great, but it would have at least mitigated, like, no, no, we're doing this for real.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think I think a cool spot would have been, like, if they had him, you know, if they had, like, pictures of him with, um, you know, like, locker room members of people in, like, Ring of Honor and stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, if anything, I feel like the, uh, even though they copied it verbatim, I think TNA got it right when they made AJ champion and he left and then wrestled in a
1: couple of promotions here and there. You know, yeah. you know what it's just remind me of? The invasion angle. Yeah. It's that, again. <laughs> it's just like... Uh,
2: the I reverse know. invasion angle. Yeah,
1: it's like, <laughs> it's this thing and it's a real company thing. I get it from a corporate standpoint. This is where like the corporate bit really takes over. Because storyline wise, that's the way to go you've yeah. done it but a corporate but if you're going from this from a corporate mindset the idea of someone doing that is no no <laughs> <It's> just- yeah <laughs> i feel like we should probably also
2: broach the point that um um and to be fair this is somewhat speculative but um wwe has a bit of a history of kind of uh brushing over <laughs> their talent's previous wrestling time oh,
1: absolutely yeah. only, um, you know you know how weird it is that they actually do mention it a couple of times now yeah. i'm still not used to that oh, yeah. well oh yeah
2: because i mean so obviously they mentioned wcw mm. purely because WWE own it effectively yeah. um but so he said like very briefly <laughs> uh, there's a thing on i believe it's on WWE network where it's uh I think I, I think I remember, right? Sting, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe talking about their time in TNA. Yes. Mm. And that's the entire that's the entire central point of it. So hearing them mention it is very weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I assume that probably had some part to play in it. Yeah. Although, I mean, I think if you were any kind of... If you were really trying to elevate the storyline, you would just go full on and say, look, he's with us, we'll make an agreement, he does a, a couple shows of you guys and then he comes back yeah
0: yeah it was a weird one but you know as i mean we got what we got we got what we got given and so it was decided at SummerSlam 2011 John Cena versus CM Punk the ultimate decision match to determine who is the WWE champion with Triple H as special guest referee
2: you see how he's injecting himself in there again? Oh boy, uh, I, this one uh, doesn't
1: end well. Uh, I, no, it I, doesn't. At point of order, we decided that we weren't going to mention Mr. Hunter. <laughs> yeah, fun
2: fact, if we're talking about the WWE and any kind of important match, I feel like that's going to be a difficult thing.
0: Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. oh, so, this oh, dear. match wasn't as good as the Money in the Bank one. But, you know, for a Cena and Punk match, they know had to put on a match. It wasn't too bad. So CM Punk wins. Yes, he's declared the undisputed WWE champion. Until Kevin Nash comes in. Jackknife power bombs him. And Alberto Del Rio runs out. Cashes in his money in the bank briefcase and becomes WWE champion. Now, if rumours to be correct, they were trying to get alberto del rio before all of this happened alberto del rio they were trying to get him as wwe champion because they wanted to appeal to the mexican contingent of their fan base so when punk happened it was a bit of an inconvenience because it's like oh no this has happened we're still gonna make del rio champion though so
2: yay yeah so this this it's important to say that uh, if we're talking about del rio here um this was a point in time where I mean, I'm not going to say for no discernible reason, because <laughs> there was a reason. There was a clear reason behind it, which was that WWE wanted to broach the Latin market again and kind of move away from pretty much just having Rey Mysterio. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what's, bring what's in Jabra more people. And, sorry, sorry just uh,
1: stop you. Was Chavo gone by now? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or oh, if he was still there, he was only ever making appearances on like WWE superstars. <laughs> um... But, yeah, so it had this cl- very clear reason, which was we're going to bring in more more wrestlers that are known in Mexico over to WWE and have them have them compete and really build them up. Um, so from that time, if I remember the two big ones were Alberto Del Rio and Sin Cara, we won't discuss Sin Cara here. <laughs>
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, they brought in Alberto Del Rio, who, I mean, was good. Um... Hindsight probably dictates necessarily otherwise. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but it just kind of ended up with this weird point where they were like, okay, well, we need we need a way for Del Rio to get the title and not kill the heat on Punk. Now, the problem is anything you do is going to kill the heat on Punk. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah, because it's literally been like, how long?
2: Uh a couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: A couple of yeah. weeks!
2: Yeah. Yeah, so anything you do is going to kill the heat on Punk. And so they ended up in this weird point. Now, here's the thing I would like to say about this storyline <laughs> Why Kevin Nash? Yeah! Uh, <laughs> of all people, why Kevin Nash?
1: This was supposed I, I, to be uh, built up. He had come <clears throat> back. The, oh, sorry, sorry. They're... We have to stop. We have oh. to stop. We have to stop. Sorry. I got to be right. Okay. <laughs>
3: yeah, um...
0: Yeah, because this builds up to supposedly having Kevin Nash be a rival for CM Punk, but then he Again Tory's quad. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. Because okay, at least that. at
2: least they could have gotten, like, I mean, okay, obviously around the, con- I believe at the context this time, it's meant to have been the time where, like, Shawn Michaels was never gonna come back. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, where the fuck are you going to hit Kevin Nash in there? Oh, don't, Oh, yeah. sorry, are we back recording now? Or yeah, are we still notes. recording about that? We back,
1: we're back, we back, sorry about that. That's alright.
0: And so, yeah, like, Kevin Nash, like, why? It's like, I understand from what I've heard that Kevin Nash was supposed to go up to face CM Punk at Night of Champions. The whole thing is like Triple H and him as a hired gun, maybe. But it's like, still, like why yeah like i
2: know I, I'm
1: not, of I, all I, the people what, you know what you know what despite knowing that the moment you mentioned kevin nash my heart sank <laughs> despite knowing this i'm like kevin nash and and
0: yeah like this was in the uh, era of Shawn michaels is retired and he's never coming back <laughs> so who can we call from triple h's fraternity or click to do this oh wait oh no we can't call scott yeah kevin it is then just no it I... was weird it was so weird and they had some weird ass promos like <clears throat> given punk he's great at what he does um uh, but he did have some weird promos with kevin nash and but this was all supposed to build up to him and knight of champions but then nash injured himself and thus we had got the triple h and cm punk show um, you would have thought he would have been able to get like a, a WWE Championship match at Night of Champions. Nope, it was John Cena versus Del Rio and Punk versus Triple H. Oh, I have some, I have some words about this one. Right, okay. so Triple H defeats CM Punk at Night of Champions. He was re- he was semi-retired then, comes out of semi-retirement, beats Punk, and then goes back into retirement.
2: You know, it I mean that is isn't that just the most triple H thing possible? Yeah. Arrive, I'll kill get. the heat on a guy, and then just be like, cool, I'm back off retired again. Because, See ya.
0: Because Triple H is the sort of person that believes that being in the ring with him is just as
2: prestigious as a championship match. Ha! Go away. Um <laughs> Also, in this in this context, right? CM Punk lost the title to Del Rio. Hmm. So that entitles him to a championship match.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's the one question I have. Like, like, okay, Alberto de Rio's just stolen the championship. <laughs> you think he would, you know, go after Del Rio, who, the dude who stole his championship? Like, but Kevin no, Nash, Kevin
2: would... Nash comes out of nowhere and it's like, hey, I tore my quad. Whatever match. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh... I.
1: That, I i don't understand i don't understand no, no oh
2: sorry and then he's like oh i tore my quad so now you're gonna have a match for triple h for no discernible reason other than triple h i guess
1: <laughs> i don't get it
0: uh what i don't get as well was that main event john cena versus alberto Dorio. rio john cena's champion again so what what was
2: that for? Oh yeah, it basically ruins the point of giving Del Rio the title now, doesn't it? Because Um, you've just done that You've given the Mexican market their moment, and you're like, Okay, cool, give it back to the guy from the US now. abso
1: With that, I'm like, wait, how did he even get to get that? He lost it! John Cena! Yeah, but that... Th- oh, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whoa,
2: Cena wins.
0: <laughs> Yay. Oh, for God's sake. Right. Oh, man. We're going to fast forward to Hell in a Cell and the triple threat match uh, versus Punk, Cena and Del Rio um, for the title in Hell of a Cell. Um, lost this one. He takes the pin
1: from Del Rio. <laughs> like... I what? I I like it's only you know, it's only when you like you're putting it down there with the <laughs> timeline that I'm just like I want to know who thought this was a good idea. <laughs> it goes against everything I know about the basics of booking. And this is where it starts to get a little weird
0: in this period of September to October. So Triple H is babyface all of a sudden. And they're starting to kind of have some sort of an allegiance because The Miz and R-Truth, then known as The Awesome Truth, which, by the way, bloody awesome tag team name for those two, um, were doing that thing where they were just trying to beat up anyone and everyone because they were disgruntled employees that
1: had finally had enough. I'm
0: sorry, and they I'm, had- sorry. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry,
1: I'm sorry. I just have to, I have to say this. I have to say this. I have to say this really quickly. <laughs> I like R-Truth as a performer as a character oh oh, oh, no yeah Yeah. again as as the black wrestling fan (laughs) R-Truth disappoints
0: you (laughs) I'm not angry at your
1: R-Truth Ron you just disappointed (laughs) I'm not not, like R-Truth if you're listening I'm not angry <laughs> I'll move move on, otherwise I'm just gonna. So
0: yeah, this sets up a, a, a tag team match at Vengeance: The Awesome Truth versus CM Punk and Triple H. So forgettable because Awesome Truth won. I can't understand. What, I just I genuinely. This is the time when this the booking gets ridi- like ridiculous now, and this is where I start to get a bit angry over this. But I think WWE started to realize that the fans were getting really miffed that this had happened. And so at Survivor Series, I am going to go straight ahead to Survivor Series. CM Punk has finally gotten a number one contendership. He finally got his rematch that he would deserved in SummerSlam at Survivor Series. the main event against Del Rio wins. Taps him out to become WWE Champion. And that happened in November. So yeah, you were really elongating that Summer of Punk. And that thus concludes the 2011 summer of park but first thoughts and feelings on this match in particular um exactly because this is the <laughs> same mean, like... survivor series where cena and rock had teamed up to face our truth and the miss what a match um but um, <laughs> i'm sorry i'm like...
1: sorry like i'm sorry repeat that title card again for me? Yeah. Because my brain kind of stopped. It, like, that's not a real match. It's not a real match. Why are you lying?
0: To Miz me and R-Truth versus John Cena and The Rock. Yes, that was
2: real. <laughs> that's tapping random on WWE 2K. Mhm. <laughs> yeah,
3: here's,
2: here's the only thing I can really say about this match. Which is basically... <laughs> What you had is you had all this time in the middle between, like, Punk getting the title to Punk winning back the title that literally didn't need to happen.
3: Absolutely,
0: <laughs> Literally
2: none of the events in any of that time were at all consequential. They served literally no purpose. I would have preferred was just Punk holding it through this time and then, hell, at Survivor Series, have Del Rio cash it in, mm. and that would probably have, I mean, maybe not gotten over as much, but still would have been like, you know what, okay,
1: it Reasonable. be It wouldn't have been an abandonment of the entire point <laughs> Yeah, CM Punk winning the damn title. Mm. Did you have to bring in Kevin
2: Nash? did you have to have that completely pointless match with triple h which served no purpose but to massage triple h's ego
1: honestly honestly thinking about it with the timeline going on you know who would have been a better fit kane yeah i like mm. like i don't like don't get me wrong 2011 Kane is um a, a, a mood, but <laughs> <laughs> but like, his last match before all this was with Kane absolutely, yeah like, and Kane, it's not like it's a thing Kane wouldn't do Kane is I mean, through bad booking, a lot of things but he's like that kind of guy that makes sense it pisses you know, everyone off. Like, makes sense. I, I mean, like you could have just brought
2: in any kind of enforcer-type character. I literally would have preferred if they used the Big Show.
1: Whoa, that's... that's Wow, man. Yeah. Like, Hold on. Now, hold on. No, let's no. Not say, I'm, <laughs> let's look, say something I'm going to regret. I'm going
2: to say this, right? Because, yes, the Big Show is the Big Show. <laughs> I know that. He is checkered.
3: <laughs>
2: but... <laughs> A, he doesn't have Kevin Nash's quad muscles. (laughs) And B, he was still... I believe he was with the company at that time and still actively performing. So if you're going to have someone as an enforcer, it kind of makes sense because he has also played that role before. Hmm. Would it have been good? Probably not. (laughs) But it would have made, at least to me more sense (laughs) because you have to remember they did all this building with kevin nash and all these weird promos all for it to go nowhere which meant he had to face triple h (laughs)
0: yeah it was it's such a weird thing and we will get to all of these uh conclusions and the main fact are our personal main factors as to why this failed in this conclusion so may i just add as well for the final bit of this survivor series thing you will be shocked to know when i was looking through all this this was punk's first clean pay-per-view win in the summer of punk exactly <laughs> the it, silence it,
2: it's it's like i'm surprised but like when I'm thinking back to so many of the weird booking decisions that happened around this time I can kind of get it
1: mm. no, that makes
2: again sense. That... I don't necessarily like it <laughs> but yeah. with the with the, with the how flavor of the month the bookings were in a way I can kind of understand it
1: yeah it's that doesn't surprise me but it is just like uh what are you doing What yep are you...
0: Yeah. So, conclusion time. Let's try and comprehend this weird time uh this weird weird amalgamation, this bastardized version of the Summer of Punk by talking about our main factors as to why we think the Summer of Punk failed. Now, I am going to put of course the first one is the one we've already mentioned and we've gone went way deep into the rabbit hole with and that was super cena i think you know he that was peak super cena at that time and i think i don't know why the creative and the booking decision was that cena should never lose clean he should always have some sort of like shenanigans it was like hogan booking basically in the golden age of wrestling for sure i think the the del rio thing and the mexican contingent as well that we mentioned was a was a contributing factor in that. I don't know why that was so mixed up when you could have easily have just circumnavigated that, as you said, Dan, around that time. Um one for me in particular, um, is at that time, they did not have a lot in their roster. Um mm. Yeah. Uh and it this is, I think was good a white. good I think this was a contributing factor as well as to why they brought him back eight days later. As like if he goes, there's not going to be a lot of people that can step up to be a main event rival for Cena. The Miz? But then his main event at WrestleMania at that time wasn't well received?
1: Rey yeah, Mysterio? The, the...
0: But I don't understand. But at that time, I think
1: he was not in the greatest of favours with Vince in the back.
2: Yeah, I, no, I, he, he wasn't.
1: I think, like, um with The Miz... He was like really rust. He was really like he wasn't. He just wasn't that good at that time. Yeah, not as what good as I... he is today, for sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: was um, wasn't he coming back, coming off the back of some time in tag team
0: with Alex Riley? Yes. Yeah.
1: Uh, and and uh, Ray Ray Mysterio. Oh man, at that point, Ray Mysterio was uh, That's prey to Nesus, Ray Mysterio. So. <laughs>
0: so yeah i will uh, the final one for me and I, i i say for me but for all of us i will mention right at the end and i know the person i'm talking about you know the person i'm talking about but dan your main factors that made the summer of punk not as good as it could have been
2: uh so the first thing that i'm gonna put down i guess it's a thing we've kind of skimmed about and stuff but I'm I'm going to term it as creative differences. Hmm. But I more see that as a as a kind of a clashing of ideology between punk punk supporters, what punk supporters wanted, and what you stood for compared to what WWE was willing to allow. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: it very much seemed like there was this clear disconnect between what people wanted and what people were getting. Um, and The other one that I'm going to put it down to, I don't really know a way... I don't really know a way to put it. I guess it kind of comes under the same creative difference bracket. But I just... I get the feeling that the favor wasn't for Punk in the company. Yeah. I get the feeling that there was something more behind it. Mm -hmm. I don't get why you would kill the heat on someone who is so over, I don't get why you so aggressively push back against it. Um, you know, obviously this is coming from the mind of someone who is a big fan, I guess some, I, some of my friends would call me a CM Punk Mark, but, <laughs> um, you know, it, it always just kind of felt like I mean, as much as it did build this kind of like um not sorry underdog, but you know, the mm. anti-hero, the person fighting against everything else that it stood for. Um and like all the stuff that he goes through in his promos where he's like, You're the ones that buy the collector's cups that don't have my face on it. Yeah. And things like that. Um, but I, I just get the feeling that some something had not put him in favor something that meant that they had a reason to push back against him
1: uh my thoughts on it looking at it if if the if the summer of punk of uh, 2011 failed i think it was due to wwe's refusal to look vulnerable
3: <laughs>
1: yeah i i think that's what did it there is all the steps are there for it to be this huge thing but it's a refusal to look it's a refusal to look vulnerable it's a refusal to not look bulletproof it's a refusal of this is what you're getting fan this is what your this is what we're giving to you and you will like it <laughs> and i i kind of feel like um the cm CM punk the summer punk is kind of the canary in the coal mine of um a lot of the problems that have come out with the wwe to this day yeah because when i'm hearing this i'm hearing, i'm thinking this is daniel bryan all over again the only difference is that <laughs> they, this, the only difference is that they literally is that the fans were actively were like we're not having this happen again yeah yep
2: looks well, that again like i said like that's that's the thing you know yeah. daniel bryan is actually a pretty good parallel
0: absolutely absolutely and a lot of that does and i think a lot of that both of them intertwine kind of really quite well um, especially given yeah. uh, punk's departure from the company which we'll get to in a second But yeah, the final one that I think we can all agree on, the final factor that caused this one to not be as good as it could have been, was Triple H. Not just Triple H, but Triple H being a face in this situation, which I just think was the absolute wrong way to have gone about this. Given that Triple H was semi-retired, he was now part of the board, um, and this was a guy that, you know, was was the company man. He's going up against a guy who is anti-establishment and wants to change the company. Why was Triple H being a face at this time when he could have been the most evil heel possible, going up against Punk? Uh,
1: yeah, okay. I, yeah, that's something I want to. I want to know who thought, who thought that we were going to side with the corporation?
2: At... Okay, here's what I'm gonna say, and this is just m- me brainstorming here. <laughs> But do you remember how we said about that perception of what the company is? Yes. Yes. I get this weird sense that because Punk was being so vocally (laughs) anti-corporation, that Triple H saw himself as the good guy by being the corporation. Mm. Yeah. So the fans were on the side of Punk pushing against WWE, effectively, by supporting him. Yeah. Mm. But Triple H was representing the company, and I think in a weird way, Triple H saw himself as the good guy. (laughs) Because he represented what WWE stood for. And stood for, like, you know, he saw himself as this kind of beacon paragon of wrestling. (laughs) But that actually people were with CM Punk because he was against that idea. Mm. Mm. And I get the feeling there was maybe some kind of misunderstanding by creative in who was actually supporting what. <laughs> I also get the the feeling
0: um, after you had, um, if you've ever listened to his now infamous... Um, Art of Wrestling podcast when he talked about his departure and everything that had happened during this time when he re- had resigned, you get the feeling that with all of the momentum and uh, this newfounded mainstream attention the company was having all on him, that Triple H was almost jealous of Punk's att- of the attention Punk was getting, and was I can easily to- buy that to quell to quell and fan the flames of that somewhat. So he inserted himself into
1: this storyline. See, that goes with that. See, we're getting with that. We get into um, a bit of, like, that seems like we're getting into the wild, wild, wild speculation. Yeah. But I wouldn't be lying if I uh, didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be lying to you guys. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't be...
2: I wouldn't be surprised if backstage politicking had a role to play in this um and just generally had an had an impact on how things were actually just being operated. Mm. Um again it's sad that it continues to happen and does happen like it does. Yeah. But you know, I guess I want to say that's that's the way of the business but I don't necessarily like that.
0: Yeah. i say to get a really good comprehensive look at, at the Summer of Punk um, and why it was a bit of a failure to the eyes of a lot of wrestling fans, there is a really good thread on the Reddit uh, by the user SammyG32 on Squared Circle where he kind of lists down all the facts and his or their speculation and um, theories as to why the Summer of Punk failed so what happened to punk after this time he went on to have one of the longest wwe championship reigns of the modern era at 434 days losing it to dwayne the rock johnson at royal rumble um and not ever getting a rematch actually no he did get a rematch as a matter of fact uh because that's when the shield interfered and then oh no that was royal rumble actually no he didn't get a rematch because then he went on to face the undertaker at wrestlemania um and then of course Dwayne and cena fought again the second in a lifetime match um for the wwe championship punk then ended up leaving uh, for a little bit came back and had rivalries with chris jericho brock lesnar Daniel Bryan, which inevitably ended up with him in a little tag team at time, or up to facing the Wyatt family, up until the Royal Rumble 2014, uh, Punk's one of Punk's last appearances, and then he was gone, and suddenly disappeared. And then the news was mainstream news was then back on all of it that CM Punk had indeed walked out of WWE, and well, I guess you could say the rest is history Um, anyone who's a wrestling fan even to a casual point kind of knows the story of punk's exit from wwe so it's a bit of a sad note in a sense to end
2: on You know, it's become a chant that everyone does at every single event when they don't like what they're seeing.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's one way. That's one thing. Uh, You know, it's funny. Um, I like I I said at the beginning of this, like, oh, this is going to be one where I'm not going to have much to say. I was incorrect. (laughs) 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 Uh, Apparently I had plenty. I had plenty to say. (laughs) I don't know how to feel about that.
0: Oh, man, you know, it shows you you're more than just a casual ridden.
1: I know. Like, it took, you know what? I think like going through this, it actually kind of like it's funny doing this with you guys. Is that it actually unlocks like deep recessed memories <laughs> of, me, of me going, hang on a minute. No, I did actually slightly keep up with this, not on like a real detail kind of thing, but enough to be disappointed. However, I will say, um, he had one of the best streak matches with the undertaker i would say absolutely one of mm-hmm, the one of the ones where i'm like okay if he beats the undertaker then i would be perfectly okay with
0: it like mm-hmm. he earned it uh um, so that was um, uh, a journey and a half wasn't it <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah probably one of probably our longest to date yeah most likely it'll be fun for me to edit this one <laughs> Oh, I know it are. will. <laughs> I'll just get angry all over again. No, but um, yeah, that is. I guess that's a good way to end it on this one. Um, again, as ever, gents, it has been something. Uh, it oh, has been. It's been, been, a, it's it's been, been an been emotional journey. journey. It's been an emotional journey and a half. And
2: uh... if you need me, I'll be crying later. <laughs> oh.
0: <baby. laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh yeah. Before we go, because I didn't do it at the beginning. Uh, yes, we are on soundcloud we're giving to this to you free of charge and we are also on twitter at sweet chin wag now before we head off we are going to uh give you next week's episode or uh tease you with next week's episode because this one is one i myself have been really excited for we are going to be talking about our free favorite dudes in WWE at the moment, as this episode, episode five, is called The Unexpected
1: Genius of the New Day. Oh, the power it's of the new day! Yes, it is! The power of positivity! <laughs> That's gonna be a positive episode, maybe, sort of, kind of, probably not really. But right. hey, we'll try our best. Pancake power. Hopefully, for the love of God,
0: wrestling dudes, just be positive for one week, please. Yeah, please, please, yeah can I know. Pen,
1: can, can the world not be crap for five... <laughs> Minutes. Um, I will quickly um, say, I know that um, I've said it during the opening, our uh, series opening, but I do want to say it in a happy note. Happy Pride to everyone listening. Uh, this is my first Pride as an openly bisexual man. So this is a, like, what, what a year, what a year to be openly Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but hey, we, we played the hands with are dealt. Um, so to all of you out there on that beautiful rainbow, I love you. I accept you. Have fun. Be gay. Do crimes. Watch wrestling.
0: (laughs) Maybe not the do crimes bit. Actually, no, because we're a pokey podcast. We want to kind of get... I, know, screw it. Go I, on, screw it. I said what I said. Yeah. I approved I said this message. So screw it.
2: Go out and graffiti at sweet chin wag on like a wall somewhere and, <laughs> go, and like tweet it at us if someone wants to do it. With a little but, PS with, saying, from everyone, uh, every, every, Yeah. With a little PS
0: saying, Reardon told me to do it.
2: Yeah. Ra- graffiti your belt saying at sweet chin wag. If you want to contact us beforehand and ask how to spell Reardon's name, then don't worry. I got it you. Ah, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you what, I will leave this to you, Dan, as you were just about to do it. I'll leave it to you, mate. You'll leave it to me? To, 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 to send us off.
2: Okay. Um, the bit I just wanted to tack on to the end is say that uh, everyone at this podcast will be here and say, everyone listening, no matter how you choose to go about your life, um, no matter what what line of belief or what race or what sexuality you are, we all here believe that you are valid and that you should go around being you completely unabashedly and just be you for who you are.
0: And as Jim Smallman always said when he was doing the MCing at progress wrestling wrestling is for everybody and i cannot say that enough (laughs) no matter who you are where you come from what you do wrestling is for everyone and on that note it is time to end the show thanks so much guys and we will see you on the next
1: episode goodbye This is the color personality, it's a great song.